The Church Media Podcast, our 50th episode with special guest Saturday Night Live alum, Victoria Jackson. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online at 1230media.com/podcast. Now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media. Here's your host, Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl Barnhill, your host. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid, thriving media production teams at your church. The podcast is going to sound a little bit different starting with this episode as we're adding some new segments, welcoming some new sponsors and partners, and changing things up just a little bit. I hope you enjoy the fresh sound. This week, I welcome a very special guest for our 50th show. Victoria Jackson will be joining me. You may know Victoria from Saturday Night Live, as she was a cast member on the show from 1986 to 1992. She is a born-again Christian, and we'll talk through her career as she talks about living out her faith in Hollywood and living out her faith and the other uh, experiences that she's had. She'll also talk about supporting faith-based film projects. Uh, This is a little bit of a departure from our weekly uh, church media stuff, but I thought for our 50th show we'd do something a little bit fun. I've known Victoria for a few years and asked her to come on the show, and she graciously said yes. So I'm very thankful and grateful uh, to her. Uh, So you'll hear my full interview with her a little bit later in the show. But first, we're introducing a new segment to the podcast called the Church Media Resource of the Week. We're giving you free tools that you can use as you create experiences at your church. Check this out. And now, your Church Media Resource of the Week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Hey everyone, Dan Bracken here from Ginghamsburg Church in Tip City, Ohio with your Church Media Resource of the Week. A gadget that I cannot live without is my Zoom H1 Handy Recorder. It's a great little pocket recorder that's perfect for capturing acceptable voiceovers and sound bites when otherwise unprepared. It has a mic input, auto leveling, and records to mini SD, which makes it perfect for on-the-go recording. In fact, I'm recording on my Zoom H1 Handy Recorder right now in a non-isolated room with humming electronics and air conditioning. Not the best, but not bad for $100. Look it up on Sweetwater.com. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. And now, back to your church media coach, Carl Barnhill. I think that's going to be a fun news segment of the show. We already have had dozens of church media guys and girls that have shared their favorite tools and resources with us, and we'll be dropping those into the show each week. If you would like to join in the fun and share a church media resource or tool that makes your job easier, shoot me an email directly. My email is carl, C-A-R-L, at 1230media.com, and I'll reply back with details of how you can get featured on the show and how you can share your favorite tool or resource with us. Again, my email is carl at 1230media.com. 
All right, so we've arrived at our 50th episode of the podcast. Each week, we've shared with you some premium church media knowledge on building your volunteer team, helping you in the areas of audio, video, lighting, stage design, and more to help you create powerful experiences at your church. We've talked to some of the best minds in the field, people like Kirk Cameron, Kevin Downs, John Schlitt, Shonda Pierce, Phil Vischer, Jonathan Malm, Brady Shearer, and others. We've produced each episode of the podcast where they can stand alone so you can bounce around and listen to any episode that you want. So I want to encourage you that if you are just finding us, we'd love for you to take a dive into the archives and listen to past episodes of the show. Go to 1230media.com forward slash podcast and click on the episode that you'd like to listen to. We embed the show audio right there on the site with the show notes so everything is right there for you. We also try to load up each episode with tons of free content for you. So we give you transcripts, free PDFs of gear lists and checklists, content for your production teams, and other free stuff. We also embed videos that you can share web links, free books and articles where you can implement the content at your church. We try to give away as much content as we possibly can. So check that out, 1230media.com forward slash podcast. If you've been listening since we started, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for your emails, your notes, and the feedback that you send our way. Feel free to continue to offer your insight and suggestions I love hearing from you guys. Carl at 1230media.com is my email. You can shoot me an email anytime. All right, when we come back, I'll welcome my very special guest to the show this week, former Saturday Night Live cast member Victoria Jackson will be joining me. The interview, moments away. Hey guys, Carl here. I want to tell you about a great book from my friend Victoria Jackson. You know, it's not always the case that telling your own story is more truthful or more personal than having someone else tell it. We don't always see ourselves accurately, and we tend to hide our own shame. Victoria's autobiography, Is My Bow Too Big?, is a rare example of how it could and should be, nuanced, heartfelt, and compelling. Do you ever wonder what it's like to be a born-again Christian fighting for airtime on Saturday Night Live? Or what it's like to be a true conservative in Hollywood? Well, Victoria opens up about her journey from being an SNL cast member to being a strong voice in the Tea Party movement. She doesn't hold the reader at a safe distance either. She really invites you inside her life. It's a very informative and fun read for you and your volunteers. You can purchase the book on Amazon or on Victoria's website at victoriajackson.com. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, very special treat for you today as I welcome by phone actress and comedian Victoria Jackson. Victoria is a former Saturday Night Live cast member from 1986 to 1992. She starred alongside Dennis Miller, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, and Adam Sandler, among others. 
Since her stint on SNL, Victoria has been seen in several movies, as well as her stand-up performances around the country. She's an evangelical Christian and in the last few years has become an active member of the Tea Party movement. She's a rare conservative in Hollywood. I've gotten to know Victoria over the last few years as we've seen each other and hung out at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, where she lives. Victoria, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Carl, thank you for having me. I just uh, finished helping my mom put together a wooden Adirondack lawn chair, and uh, I feel like Jesus the carpenter. I've never quite done that before. <laughs> now, have you sat in it yet? Have you tested it out? Make sure it's it's good and sturdy. Uh, she's sitting in it, and she's not crashing to the ground. So <laughs> that's that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm leaving her house now. Now I can focus on your question. Excellent. Well, I'd love to uh, walk through your career while I have you from SNL back in the day um, to today and get your insight on living for Jesus through the various opportunities that you've had in the entertainment industry and in politics. So I know that you've been asked over the years a million questions about SNL. I'm going to ask you a few and then we'll we'll move on to, uh, to today's stuff. But I was a fan of SNL way back in the day, so I'd love to ask you some uh, some questions about that. Okay. Right. So you started on the show in 1986, and the year before that, most of the cast, except for Dennis Miller and John Lovitz, had been fired. And you became a Christian before you joined the cast, but what was it like coming on to the show that year as a believer and a conservative? How were you received? What was that experience like? Well, I think of Saturday Night Live as any other job in that, you know, I didn't go there and start proselytizing. I try to show up on time, be professional, and, um, you know, as the years went by, they they figured out I was a Christian, and uh, in most jobs, people, Christians are the minority, you know, my husband was on the SWAT team, and he was probably the only Christian on a SWAT team, so uh, I just think it's the same as any other job, you know? Um, what was it like? Well, we were all nervous, of course, uh, excited that we got the opportunity. And then we always were afraid of getting fired because our contract was like one way. Like we weren't allowed to leave, but they were allowed to get rid of us anytime they wanted. And the cast before me had all gotten fired, most of them. So we, we thought every week we didn't get fired was a plus. <laughs> Now, uh, what was it like during the week on uh, on SNL? I, I was reading your book a little bit. When when did you realize that in order to get on the show, you had to get in good with the writers and bring them food and bribe them? Tell me about that process. Yeah, I don't know if that food thing it didn't work for me. Maybe it was a joke. Maybe one was kidding. Basically, um, you know, some people are writers, some people are performers. Some people can do both, and the people who can do both get more airtime. And I've never had any training in improv or writing for that or sketches, and I'd actually never seen Saturday Night Live because I grew up without a TV. So I, I, I kind of was trying to learn on the job. <laughs> the week was like Monday we had all got together and met the host and talked about ideas. And we were all terrified because Lauren would ask us one by one what our ideas were. 
And then uh, Tuesday was writer's night, and everyone would stay up almost all night trying to write their sketches and submit them for the show. And Wednesday was uh, read-through. We'd sit at a big table and read through a big stack of scripts. And Lauren and the host would go into a room and pick out the best ones. And then Thursday and Friday, we'd do blocking for the camera. And then Saturday, we'd do a live show, a dress rehearsal, a live show, and then the real live show. Well, yeah, one thing I read in your book is that you kind of had to sit around at Lauren's feet almost like uh, like a like a school day, like school children, like uh, sitting around his desk. Was that true? <laughs> well, his office on the 17th floor is kind of small, and there's not enough chairs for the whole cast. So most of us were sitting on the floor. And when I told my brother about it, he, he said, that sounds like little preschool children. I said, yeah, it's kind of demeaning. You know, Lauren's at his desk, the host is in a chair, and the rest of us are on the floor, you know. Yeah. Um, now, uh, as I said, in preparation for our time together, I was reading some of your book, which is fantastic, by the way. The title is, Is My Bow Too Big? How I Went from Saturday Night Live to the Tea Party. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. But I, I was reading all about the, the weekly process of SNL, like you were talking about, and your experiences at 30 Rock. And it seemed like a, an entirely different world. You would see things in the hallway that were vulgar or you were worried that uh, you might get mugged on the way home and uh, going home in the middle of the night and things like that. When you think about your time there, what, what memories come to mind? Is it is it bad, good, fond memories or, or scared or uh, what's your memories like of that time? Oh, my memories are very exciting. I mean, to be in your 20s in New York City and it, it's very exciting and I think a lot of the Christian world, um, some Christians I know, they're, they're not really in the real world. They kind of stay work in, in a churches. Bubble. Yeah, they stay in a little Christian bubble. And I was kind of thrown into the real world. My my dad kind of said, okay, you're raised, go, go away now. And he couldn't really afford to pay for my college, so I kind of went to three years and then had to kind of quit, but I did finish my degree in 2007, my BA. But anyway, um, basically, I I kind of encouraged, I don't know, I mean, I think it's different to be a Christian in the real world and a Christian in a bubble. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different experience. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is, and I agree with you. I think a lot of um, Christians, and uh, especially like our audience on this podcast, is church media directors, guys at uh, on staff at churches that are are at church every day and kind of stay in their bubble and don't get out much and aren't exposed to kind of the real world and and a real mission field that that's out there. So um, that's really neat that you really got to permeate the the real world, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, in the real world and TV, they say the F word in every sentence. (laughs) So you kind of get, you don't have to say it too, but you do kind of get used to it. And and it's a little harsh, and, you know, you're kind of like the enemy. And um, I don't know, it's different. My husband, when he was on the SWAT team and he was a Christian, you know, it's the same thing. Like, Like, a lot of the guys want to go to a strip club, and then he didn't want to. So... It's 
it's a war, a spiritual battlefield out there. Mm-hmm. Now we we've met each other and and talked at the at the NRB the last few years. Now you told me a a story a couple years ago about uh, giving your fellow cast members on SNL some audio cassette tapes of the Bible as Christmas presents one year. Tell me that story again. How did that go? Yeah. Well, my little story about what it's like to be a Christian there is basically um, I I was there, you know, trying my hardest not to get fired, and one day Al Franken came up to me in the hallway and he said, I, I want to tell you something. It really offends me that you act like a ditch because I, I heard you the other day speaking and I know you're really smart. And it offends me, and I, it really hurt my feelings. And I, because I, I think I'm not phony. I think I'm genuine. And and uh, I said, well, maybe I act like a ditch because uh, maybe it's my voice. You know, I have congenital palatal insufficiency. I was diagnosed with that. I said, or maybe um, I'm overcompensating with a you know ditzy persona because what I'm really thinking all the time is wow, all these people are going to hell, and I have to tell them about Jesus. And his face turned white, like like I was a ghost or something, and he walked away. And he remembered it differently. He said, someone asked him about it, but that was my memory. Because basically, one day I was walking down the halls, and I thought, you know, I'm not really qualified to, to do this job. I mean, I mean, yes, I, I made the audition, and I could make people laugh. But I thought, I never studied improv or anything, and God put me here. It must be my mission field. And, um, you know, this is all Christianese, and, of course, Al Franken wouldn't understand what, what I was talking about. But I thought, Lord, what can I, how can I tell them about you? Um, you know, when people are rich and successful, they don't think they need Jesus. And uh, um, also... It was a very tense atmosphere. We were competing against each other for airtime. So uh, one Christmas I thought, well, I I cannot explain them the whole gospel and, you know, uh, everything I've learned about the Bible, um, just passing them in the hall. Hey, how you doing? And so I thought maybe I could give them the Bible on cassette because the new thing in the 80s was they were making cars with cassettes built into them. And um, that was like a cool thing, like not eight tracks, but cassettes. And so I bought them all the Bible on cassette. I thought, hey, maybe when they drive home for Christmas, they could stick the, you know, a cassette in and, and on their long trip home and in their new Porsche or something and, you know, hear the Bible. So I gave them all that present wrapped up next to their um, dressing room door. And only one cast member returned hers with a nasty note on it. So, um, yeah, so I thought, wow, it it is spiritual warfare. Because if it was a T-shirt or something, she wouldn't have done that. But anyway, that was one of my attempts. And um, as the years have gone by, I I heard uh, Jan Hooks wrote, um, there was a quote from her in the book Live from New York, and she said something about, she couldn't understand um, me and my stupid voice and um, that I was a born-again Christian, something like I was like a, from another planet to her. And, yeah, I understand that. I mean, I understand that to the world the gospel seems ridiculous and they don't understand it. Romans 1, 
you know. Now you. It sounds like foolishness to the yeah. unsaved. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I'm amazed by that uh, often. How it seems so clear to me. Uh, the message, but it, it doesn't get through, and that's so uh, biblical. Mm-hmm. You know how, how Jesus spoke of that too. Um, now, you you made several, uh, 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 nearly twenty appearances on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and you made an attempt there too. You you gave him an, an engraved Bible uh, one time, correct? Tell me that mm-hmm. experience. Well, I I never got to socialize with him. He just. Um you know, he wouldn't really talk to the guests before the show, save all the energy for the air. But one time I read in the tabloids that he had a heart attack, and it had been after he left the show. And I thought, oh, no, i got to tell him about Jesus. So I sent him this care package, uh, a video of my stand-up comedy act, because when he met me I only had about 10 minutes, and now I'd ha- uh, 20 years later I had about an hour of material. And I sent him Play-Doh and toys and candy, and I sent him a Bible with his name engraved on it. And um, it was funny, when I got it engraved, uh, the guy said, Johnny Carson? And I was like, yeah, he needs one, too. But um, Johnny sent me back a note, and it it said, thank you for the care package. If it doesn't work, I hold you personally responsible. (laughs) And I thought that was so cute, and I saved it and put it on my, framed it and put it on my wall. But, um, yeah, so I just, the Bible is so amazing, and if people only would study it, it's historically accurate, scientifically accurate, archaeologically accurate. They're, they're digging up things just today, new artifacts in Jerusalem and um, uh, Magdala, that are proving, you know, that the Bible's accurate and the Word of God. And I just wish people wouldn't dismiss it, that they would give it a chance, you know? Yeah. Now, I, I think uh, it's clear that some of your at least conservative views have gotten uh, through to some of your other castmates. You work with guys in the 80s and 90s on SNL that have recently leaned a little bit more conservative than the last few years, guys like Dennis Miller and Adam Sandler, even David Spade, I've heard. Uh, what do you make of that? Have you seen a major shift in their politics recently, or did they always lean conservative? What's your take on that? I think that when people have children, they get more conservative. And when they're trying to make a living and pay for their kids' food in college, you get more um, conservative and less uh, socialist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think the more mature and more educated you get, the more you lean towards capitalism and um, conservatism. Yeah. Um, well, like especially Dennis Miller is is kind of leaned, has made a big big shift over the years. Uh, uh, recently, being yeah. a little bit more conservative. Um, okay, let's talk about the 40th anniversary reunion special. Give me the uh, give me the whole scoop on that. <laughs> so you were in the room, and then you weren't in the in the big room, and you're moved. Tell me the whole scoop on that. Well, how do I make it a short story? Basically, the day I went, I got invited to the 40th uh, reunion of Saturday Night Live on a beautiful, fancy vacation. And I was pretty excited because I, I never see any of those people. I knew it would probably be the last time in my life. I mean, Lauren is 70 now. I don't know how much longer he'll be the producer, but I thought, man, I wish I could see Lauren and say, thank you so much for giving me the best job of my life. 
it changed my life and I I thought it'd be fun to see some of the old faces and well my tick my uh airplane ticket got canceled because of a snow ice storm and I was panicking like how am I gonna get there? I sent them an email and said I might be late. They said, okay. Then I sent them another email and said, oh, never mind. I got another flight. I won't be late. And they said, okay. So then I get there. They put, uh, they put me, they put a bracelet on me. And while all of the celebrities, everybody there was famous, while they were hoarding us into the studio, the lady at the front door looked at my bracelet and said, oh, you, you're supposed to go in a different room. She put me in a different room. It was the, the like the overflow room and it had like food and, and you had to watch the show on a, t- a big TV screen. And I was placed in there. I was sitting there two hours and I thought, well, this is kind of weird. Like nobody in here was in the cast and, you know, it looks like I'm being punished or something. But I thought, don't play victim. That's what uh, Democrats always do, you know, play the victim. And so after two hours, uh, Robert Smigel, one of the head writers, came in there and he goes, Victoria, what are you doing in here? I said, they told me to sit here. He goes, you're the only cast member in this room. I said, I know. And he took my hand and he went past like 15 bodyguards and uh, put me in the main studio for the rest of the show. So the next day, all these um, radio and TV shows were calling me and saying, why weren't you at the show? Were you boycotting because you're a conservative or were you uninvited? You and Dennis Miller weren't there. And I said, I was there. And I said, you didn't see me because they put me in a room where no cameras were look, where could see me. And, you know, who knows if it was just a mistake. But the point was they did see me for two hours before the program started on the red carpet, shaking hands, hugging people. So everyone in charge of the seating knew I was there. So, you know, I don't know what happened, but it was kind of weird. And I I just think we need to report things um, because Andrew Breitbart taught us citizen journalism. Basically, our media does not tell the truth and it's liberally biased. So we have to report, you know, what we know, what we see, what we hear, Uh, Or else it's going to be George Orwell's 1984 where, you know, the government um, controls everything. That's what they're trying to do. So I just told the truth, and it might sound like I was whining, but I had a good time anyway. But it was kind of strange, don't you think? Yeah, I I do. And uh, do you think that that Dennis Miller didn't go for that reason? Uh, That's one question. And then I guess my second question with that is, do you feel like overall in the um, in Hollywood that you, Kevin Sorbo, Stephen Baldwin, uh, Patricia Heaton, people like that, do you are you kind of looked down upon, scorned for your conservative views? Definitely, there is a blacklist. We are for being a Christian or conservative. I mean, Patricia Heaton does get a lot of work, though. There are exceptions. John Voight works a lot. Um, but I think in general, oh, yeah, you're really looked. It's very uncool. It's like in high school, you know, show business is like high school with money, they always say. And you're kind of an outcast if you stand up for Jesus. But Jesus said that's what would happen. So if you're not being... Uh, persecuted, then you're probably not shining your light very bright, right? Yes, so but, true. Um, 
Yeah. But wait, what was the first thing you asked me? I was going to say something. Dennis Miller, did he not attend the event because of his uh, conservative views? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Dennis Miller, I heard a rumor that he didn't come because he was mad about the, the Saturday Night Live movie not including him. Now, I do not know if that's true, but I do know that when the the assistants asked me to sign the big SNL book, I couldn't even find myself in it. It's like they wanted to pretend I was never there. I was there six years. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, in the show, they had women cast members in the audience who'd been fired after, like, a month. Right. They had, like, cast members, and I was there, like, a long time. Yeah. So it did seem like they were kind of trying to pretend I wasn't there. <laughs> All right, so let, let's let's move past uh, SNL. So uh, you left the show in '92, and uh, people don't know this, but you, uh, m- some people may not, that you start alongside uh, some of the biggest names in Hollywood in some of the movies that you were in, like uh, Sean Connery, Dustin Hoffman in Family Business, and Diane Keaton, Dan Aykroyd. You had sitcom pilots with Joe Pesci and George Clooney that didn't get picked up. Tell me about some of that experience through the '90s and early 2000s, where you were doing movies and guest spots on TV shows where the system was, you know, already cranking and you had to come in and do a guest spot. Tell me about those experiences. Well, very exciting. Um, I always thought my my next acting job was the last one that I'd ever have. So uh, I'm very, I was very pleasantly surprised when Screen Actors Guild said I could get reti- a retirement pension when I turned 55 last year. I was like, Really? Because I hadn't really been paying attention to all the work that was building up, and um, yeah, it was it was exciting. I was trying to raise a child, and I was the breadwinner in my first marriage, so it was very stressful. And um, yeah, my first husband was not a Christian, and I remember when I was dating him, I heard the Bible verse very loud in my head: "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath light with darkness?" And I remember saying, I know God, but I'm taking him to church. And I thought, he'll get born again. My, my dad, my mom married my dad, and he wasn't a Christian, and he got born again. But but it was kind of a disaster because I didn't obey the Lord. And then, uh, so it was hard to be an actress and be a mom and be the breadwinner in a marriage where the husband didn't work. Then um, when I got reunited with my high school sweetheart, in 92, I gave up my career to be a full-time mom because he actually had a job. And uh, that was difficult. Um, down in Miami for 20 years, uh, I really missed all the, the excitement and the creativity of acting. Nobody speaks English in Miami, so um, it was it was kind of lonely. Um, and, yeah. I'm just rambling. What was the question? No. Uh, well, one thing I was going to uh, mention is, and, and you went there uh, for me, was reconnecting with your high school sweetheart. Um, I've gotten a chance to, to interact and, and talk with Paul, and uh, man, he is such a great guy. I'm so glad that you uh, mm-hmm. you guys uh, reconnected and, and have been together for, for so long. He, he is such a, a genuine guy and just, just so nice and sweet to be around. Yeah, he. we were engaged at age 18, and his dad said we weren't allowed to get married because we were too young. So I was like, okay, well, what's my plan B? Because uh, my plan A was to marry him at age 18. And then so plan B, I thought, well, 
I'd always wanted to try to be an actress, and since I'm not allowed to marry him and I can't afford college, I might as well try that whim while I have the opportunity. So, yeah, so we, we got reunited. Um, he was divorced, and, and yeah, he was a Christian man, and it's a, it makes a big difference because marriage is hard. It's a lot easier if you can pray together. Mm. All right, so let's move to the Tea Party movement. Around 2007, 2008, you got real involved in uh, politics. How did your interest in politics begin, and, and how did you get connected with the Tea Party movement? Well, uh, my husband said he could retire in 2007. So I said, well, I'm going to go to L.A. and try to get my career back. Little did I know that I would get involved with this secret underground group and that conservative group who would teach me um, how, how close our country was to collapsing. And I was never political, but I remember the day I was hanging around these great um, conservatives. Uh, they were um, hiding it because, you know, they'd lose their careers if they came out in the open. And uh, they were teaching me stuff, and they said, someone's running for uh, president who's left of Hillary. It was 2007. And I said, left of Hillary? Well, she's a socialist. That would be communist. And um, there was Obama, and nobody knew anything about him. So we started trying to find out about him, and we found out from facts uh, that you can read in the book, The Communist by Paul Kengor, or anything by Aaron um, Klein or um, Trevor Loudon uh, or Dinesh D'Souza, that Obama's grandparents who raised him were in the Communist Party. Um, He was a communist in college. His childhood mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, who he mentioned 27 times in his autobiography, was an outspoken communist. I mean... It's like, but the media wouldn't tell anyone. I was like, he's not a Christian. Um, You know, I was trying to tell people, you know, by your fruit, you will know them. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, It's what you you do. I mean, only God knows his heart, but he makes fun of the Bible. He's for gay marriage. He's for abortion and partial birth abortion. He's fought for it, which means killing a baby if it survives an abortion. I mean... Anyway, I knew all these these things, and the media wasn't telling anyone. So I I got this fire inside of me, like, I want to save America. (laughs) And I knew it would cost me any potential of reviving my career. And, of course, it it kind of closed a lot of doors. I had one one agent uh, signed me, and the next day she said, Oh, I I can't work with you. you. You're you're banned in Hollywood. You you out you publicly said that the show Glee should not have homosexual themes in prime time. Children are watching, and she said all of my employees are homosexual, and you're never going to work in Hollywood again. I'm like, okay, thank you. Mm. So anyway, that was my political streak, and then. I've kind of backed down from it for different reasons. Uh, for one reason, Ted Cruz and other people like him are out there telling the truth and saying what I've been trying to say. Like um, Rubio and Cruz, their their dads escaped communist Cuba. And I know a lot about communist Cuba because I grew up in Miami. And um, 
they're out there telling everyone, you know, America's headed down that path. And I'm like, yay, they, they're saying it way better than I could because um, I have the ditchy persona and it kind of works against anything serious. So, and, and then I was trying to tell people about the Islamic threat because there's a book called Sharia the Threat that explains that, that uh, they're trying to take over our country and they're in a lot of positions of power right now. And um, you cannot, Sharia law cannot coexist with the Constitution. Sharia law says men can beat up their wives and kill their daughters in honor killings. The Constitution says you cannot do that. You can't have both. So I was trying to talk about that, and then I started getting threats from the Muslim community, and so I kind of, they're trying to silence people like me, so I kind of backed down a little bit. It's, there's a lot of spiritual battles going on in, in our country and in the world, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so switch, switching gears, one last topic before I let you go today. Um, uh, I, I wanted to share with people, if you're comfortable, about your recent diagnosis. Would you uh, share that with our audience? Yes. My testimony is now very, very much more interesting. I was diagnosed with cancer November, uh, October last year got a double mastectomy November 17th, and I started chemo December 28th, and um, I feel great physically. There was no symptoms or anything. I went in for a cough, and I asked the guy, well, I had a little numb spot under my arm. Was it my lymph gland fighting the cough? And he sent me to the breast clinic, and, you know, I, I'm bald because of chemo, and um, Lord willing, all my chemo ends in May, and then I get radiation, and then hopefully it's all gone forever. But I know cancer does recur. And I don't know. It's made me more sensitive to people who are suffering because my, my whole family's had super good health our whole lives, and it's not in our family. And I just am, I don't know. Um, it's kind of a blessing. It's made my marriage better, my family closer, um, and I'm more sensitive. To, to other people suffering and uh, chemo's not fun no not fun uh-uh <laughs> no well when i when i saw you a couple weeks ago um uh, the, your your spirit seemed to be up uh your energy seemed to be up maybe you were masking it really well but uh but your your energy level and your um y- your health other than that seemed to be uh seemed to be doing well um has it affected your um i guess daily uh routine much no, thank the Lord, I'm retired, so I have a pretty easy life, and I do have time to squeeze in cancer. Um, I'm trying to write a one-woman show about it called It's a Broken World, Baby, and I'm trying to write a song about it, get out my creative juices, but um, I, I, um, I, I have a lot of energy. The only time I didn't feel good was right after the Red Devil. I forget the name of the chemo, but it's this powerful one, and it's red, and it did make me, like, almost die the first week, and it made me feel horrible and very weak, but that only lasted about five days, and then I bounced back, thank the Lord, and now I'm on Paxol, which doesn't seem to be hurting me very much. They said it might be cumulative fatigue, but, like, me and my husband are taking it one day at a time, and... Jesus is carrying us through it, 
you know, I'm just looking for opportunities to use it for God's glory or to witness to someone because, mm. you know, that God must have a reason why he gave it to me or let me get it or whatever. Mm. Now, um, well, thank you so much for sharing that uh, with us, and uh, our audience will definitely be uh, uh, praying for you and your family uh, through that. Um, now, you're starring in a new film this year called The Match Breaker. Uh, tell me about that movie and any other projects that you might have on the horizon. Well, that was a fun movie. It, I have a small part, but it was these young Christian kids are making it. It's romantic comedy, and I'm so proud of them because um, entertainment needs more Christians in it. And I'm just really proud of all these low-budget projects that are popping up um, because we need artists that are that love Jesus. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. I haven't seen the movie or anything yet, but um, it'll be fun to see it come out. Speaking of faith-based uh, projects, have you been uh, impressed, or what are your thoughts on recent faith-based releases like Risen and Miracles from Heaven, uh, The Young Messiah, movies like that. Uh, what Even uh, Mark and Roma doing the Bible and A.D., what do you think about those projects? I'm so excited about it. I love the movie Risen. Uh, I will never forget. Oh, I love the movie Risen. I mean, it wasn't preachy. It was fantastically done, and it kind of explained to me why I believe in Jesus. I don't know. It was very, touched my, me very much. It was great. Mm. And I love the young Messiah. I mean, I've always wondered, what was Jesus doing between the time he was born and when he was 12 in, in the temple and then when he was 33? And the, and the, the movie really did a great job um, not being blasphemous, just saying, well, this could have been what his life was like as a child being you know, God and man, and it was very well done. I loved it. It made the Bible come alive to me, both of those movies. Now, how can we find you? How can we keep up with you and, and, and follow what you're doing? Well, um, victoriajackson.com, I post things there, and that's probably a good spot. <laughs> uh, you're also on Twitter, at Victoria Jackson, right? That's your Twitter handle? Yeah, but I haven't figured out how to do Twitter yet. Uh, I'm very technically challenged, and basically when I post a, a blog on my website, it automatically goes to Twitter, gotcha. and somebody made it do that, and I don't know how they made it do that. So, <laughs> Well, we'll have to get you on Twitter and, and uh, jump on the, uh, the social media bandwagon. Do you have a Facebook page as well? On um, Facebook. Yes, I do. I have a fan page and a personal one that's at the limit. Awesome. And you know what? If Trump is going to win, I just say we should all pray for him because he's a, he's a nice person. I don't think he understands the gospel, and so we should pray that he would understand it. Because hmm. then he will be even smarter as a leader because the Bible says, you know, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And... Um, so we should pray for, you know, whoever is going to be our leader in our country. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Victoria, thank you so much. I'm not only a, a fan of yours from SNL, but I really appreciate your, your willingness to stand firm in your faith and, and your beliefs, even through opposition that you may have faced over the years. We need more conservative Christians like you telling it like it is. So thank you so much for being a voice for us, and thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Carl. You did a great job interviewing me, and thank you for what you're doing. And I love seeing you at the NRB. You're so sweet. The love oozes out of you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Now, you can read articles, watch videos, and order Victoria's latest book, Is My Bow Too Big?, on our website at victoriajackson.com. And again, like she said, you can follow her on Twitter at Victoria Jackson. Victoria, you have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get exclusive content for your team online now at 1230media.com. Victoria is awesome, guys, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know her a little bit. I know it's a little departure from the ins and outs of church media, but sometimes I want to make you aware of resources and other believers that are out there producing content that you and your volunteers need to support. Victoria is making an effort to really support budding Christian filmmakers and local content that will really strengthen believers in their faith. I want to encourage you to be watching for her and others and go support their projects. Another thing I want you to catch from our show today is that Victoria is a strong believer that is not in the Christian bubble that I am, and I'm guessing you are too. Your volunteers are not on a church staff. They're working as teachers, lawyers, accountants, and all other jobs, uh, and they're living for Jesus in the real world. Throw interviews like this one out there on your team Facebook page or other social media outlets. Provide your team with fun content from believers that are trying to live for Jesus wherever he places them. Well, guys, that's it for us this week. We went a little longer this week to celebrate our 50th show. I hope you stay with us for the next 50. We have some very exciting guests and topics lined up that I can't wait to share with you. I want to thank my guest today, the lovely Victoria Jackson. Again, to follow Victoria, you can visit her website for articles, videos, and more. Check out victoriajackson.com. I'll put some links and videos in the show notes for this episode. Simply go to 1230media.com forward slash podcast and click on episode number 50. All right, next week on the show, I welcome former lead singer of the Christian rock band Petra, John Schlitt will be in the house. John is a solid guy, incredibly humble, and so generous with his time and insight. We're going to chat about his nearly 40 years in music and ministry. John gives some great insight into how he has been part of creating concert experiences and live shows, how he works with his media team, and more. He also shared some stories of when everything went wrong from a technical perspective and how he and the band recovered and pressed on. It's a fun story. You don't want to miss that. As always, I want to thank my producer, David Michael Hyde. David is a contemporary composer and music producer for film and digital media. If you dare, go to davidmichaelhyde.com and find him. davidmichaelhyde.com. Check him out today. Thanks for listening this week. We would love if you took a minute today and rated and reviewed our podcast in iTunes. It helps us in the search and ratings database so that more and more churches, church media staff, and volunteers can get our content. And it's absolutely free, too. Take a minute and do that today if you would. Also, welcome your ideas and topics for future episodes. 
carl at 1230media.com is my email. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this Sunday. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. Catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.